remember the announcements, and, uh, and we want you to be involved. If you have time for Wednesday night, we can always use extra help in taking care of, uh, of the Wednesday night outreach. And I've, I've just been thinking. I've had a lot of time to think. I've had a lot of time to pray. And I, uh, I, I just want you to know that God has great things in store for your life. And I'm reminded of what the Bible has to say. I have not seen, nor has your ear heard, the things that God has prepared for those that love him. And now you know you love him today because you're, you're probably similar to my life. When it's raining on Sunday morning and it's the clouds uh, are hiding the sunlight, uh, it's just so tempting. You just like to pull the cover over your head and act like a, a holy roller. You know, holy roller is saying, holy smoke, it's Sunday, and I'm going to roll over and enjoy uh, this rest. And there are still a few people that are holy rollers today. And uh, God knew how to keep me from being a part of that by putting me in the ministry. If you have your Bible this morning, we're going to do some uh, things today I feel like the Lord would have for us. You know, as we see the times changing and the events changing, and every day things are changing, you don't have to look on the news. You can drive down the streets of Sealing or Chester and see that in the past few years things have changed. I can roll back fifty years. I can roll back fifty years, and I can still remember a filling station on one corner in Chester and another filling station on the other. And they weren't Jiffy trips; they were full service filling stations. Right. And if you had a tire going down, you could get a flat fix for fifty cents. And then that, and that really became highway robbery when we went to 75 cents. I can still remember the grocery store across the street from both filling stations called Brandstetter's. And then we had a grocery store right next to the full-service filling station that I worked at called Severn's. And you didn't have to go to Walmart because Walmart wasn't in Woodward at that time. You could just shop. You could come to town on Saturday you could, you could just enjoy, because Chester was, had a full service of several things. It had a post office. We had a postmaster. He lived in sailing. I'm, I'm telling you, it was just, it was just a place that uh, you were really, I mean, it was just a community filled with great people that had uh, good things to share with each other. And I, th- I thought about uh, the several years that I, feel, uh, that I worked at the uh, full service filling station. You could pull into the, the drive, and you could either fill up with premium or, or re- with regular. And, of course, being a, a, a full service, you would run out to, this, to, the, to the car. They didn't even have to get out of the car. And, and as they would roll their window down or as they would make contact with you, you always said, hello, uh, could we fill it up today? And they, if they said yes, you, we would say, do you want the premium or do you want the regular? And they would tell you. You would clear the pump. And you would put the nozzle in the end to the filler, and you would begin to fill the, the, the automobile with gasoline. You'd gra- grab the chamois and the rag, and you would start scrubbing the, the windshield. That was a part of the full service. And after that was done, if the nozzle was still running, would you, you would say, could I check your oil today? Is there, do you need your oil checked? And, uh, and sometimes they would say, my oil is fine. I checked it just before I left, but I have a right rear tire. Would you mind checking the air pressure in that tire? And you'd grab the air pressure uh, gauge, and you would check that tire, and you'd add the air, ever what it needed to be. And after you had fully served that, that customer, they would follow you in, and they would pay you. 
We had a few customers in this community that were just unique people. They charged the gas by the month, and at the end of the month, they would come in and charge the gas. I'll never forget one gentleman. He lived just north of Chester, and he came in the first time day I was working, and he followed me in to see if I was going to spell his name right. And the lady who, who her and her husband, I work for her, and she's here today, she tipped me off. How many know in life we need somebody to tip us off at times? to keep us out of trouble. And this lady says, Orville, I need to tell you, when this gentleman comes in, this is how you spell his name. The last gentleman, the gentleman that you replaced that worked for us, spelled it wrong, and he didn't like him from the word get-go. So I want to help you out. Be sure and spell his name. This is how you spell it. So he followed me in that day, and, and he said, what's your name, young man? And I told him I was writing his, his gasoline, his name on the ticket, and I turned it around to let him sign it, and he looked at it, and he said, you're a good man. And then he leave, before he leaves, he says, I'll tell you what, man, we're friends. He said, would you write that ticket on the wall where they're getting ready to paint before I come in at the end of the month? And I processed that, and I didn't follow those commands. But, uh, you know, and everyone was unique. But through the, through the time of, of full service, uh, we, you could even get your oil changed, and you could, you could get your tires rotated. And, and, and every customer was known by his character. We had some people who would wait till the snow began to melt, and they would drive their vehicle in. Maybe they hadn't used it all winter, but they would drive it in just on the first warm day, and the snow and the ice was melting out from under it. And, and I knew when they drove up, they were going to say, would you mind changing my oil? So under the drips of the ice, you would always, uh, you know, it was, it was just a, a way of life because you were a full service. However, you could drive to Sealing at that time. They had Jiffy trips, and you could get gasoline for about two cents less per gallon than we sold it to full service. The extra two cents paid for people like me that assisted the customers that walked through. Now and then, you wouldn't think that I would notice this, but now and then on delivery, we had a bulk gasoline truck that I got to drive at times. And now and then, I would see one of our customers buying the gas at, at uh, the Jiffy trip. And... Uh, and then uh, maybe 30 or 45 minutes later, they would pull in the station and they would say, I really don't need any gas. Would you mind checking the air in my tires? I'm not going to tell you what I thought. <laughs> but there were times when I just said, didn't I see you filling up? There was times I just really wanted, even though it was a full service and we were offering full service, there were times when I really wanted to just say, beat it, buddy. Go back over there where you bought your gas. However... The Holy Spirit helped me with super glue. And I really was glad because little did I realize that the Lord was preparing me to be a shepherd in his flock. And one or two of those people belonged to this church. <laughs> God is so good. His blessings always help us out. And if you'll be kind one to another, he'll always send you somebody by like I had from this family to, to tip you off on how to spell the customer's name or how to be kind or how to get ready for somebody that's always kind of out of socket. And then I was thinking uh, about our church. And I was thinking about the things that we do. You know, this, this church just isn't about Chester it's a full service. This church for years has supported a missionary at the tune of 
thousands of dollars in Siberia, and we only see the missionary once a, a, a year, but this church has a generous spirit, and for several years, we have invested $50,000 in Siberia so that they could have a full-service church, and know a shepherd that knew the Bible from America that could teach them the right way, and show them, and be an example to them as they let the light, their light so shine. I was thinking about the people that, that, that have came and gone, and I just I talked to a gentleman just yesterday who had been in, in uh, uh, another country, and uh, God had just used him miraculous ways. And he had been there 20 years ago, and some of the people still knew him, and they had a phenomenal move of God. People just was ministered to him in an awesome time. But for about three or four years, this gentleman has been on the shelf. He's had, he's had heart issues, nobody to support him. He's been an evangelist. And this church has had such a generous spirit, and they helped him through the, the moments of drought when he couldn't do what he was called to do. And this church sent him grocery money on a monthly basis and the money to keep his life in existence. Can I tell you something? Some things that you're sowing into has a great harvest that's being exposed today to a world that many of you don't see. I want to tell you today, God... And, and, and here's some things that I processed in my time when uh, the doctor asked me not to be picking up anything uh, heavier than, uh, I, won't, I forget what he said about the weight, but uh, I really didn't. I just, uh, I just wasn't obedient at times. But I, I was thinking about uh, our church, uh, and, I, and, and here's some thoughts that I, I had, and I'm going to share with you. Is Elm Grove just a uh, jiffy trip, or are we a full-service filling station. And, and this is what uh, came to my, my spirit. I began to think about you awesome people. You're here. You're, you pay your tithe and offering without question. And you release the, the, uh, the abundance of your, your tithing, your 10%, so that this church can pay its bills and so that we can add new uh, people like Jared and, and Jenny that are coming on. And, and you give yourself. On Wednesday night, this church is blessed with people that come and share the love of Jesus by feeding kids and loving on them and being a blessing to them. And, and I see you on Sunday morning as you, you're here. You're here earlier sometimes than I am, and you're getting everything ready. It's a coffee pot is full. You're getting everything ready so that people that walk in our doors can be blessed with full service. Our youth pastor who's moving in fall, during fall break this coming month says, Pastor, when we walked in the doors of that place, there was people to greet us. And it was our first time to be there, but people showed us the way. And they, and they helped our children. And I just want to tell you, that meant so much to us. And we are a full service church today. It's not about Elm Grove. It's about Jesus Christ. And this church has been very generous when we see people that have other walks of life and other churches that were struggling. This church has been there for them to encourage them and to pray for them and to bless them. So today I'm so thrilled that I'm a part of a full service and a follower of Jesus Christ and so are you. And I see to this morning, and I want you to look around today and look at the, the, at the space on the, on the pews that aren't filled. God has set this place uh, in the pasture of northwest Oklahoma on purpose. And he's given the leaders in years before I ever came the, the ability to look beyond the 1900s and realize that they would need a church, we would need a church here in 2016.
And they laid a strong foundation, and they built financially, and they've been very conservative so that this church could rise to the place that it is today. What an awesome privilege it is to realize that God wants you to know today that he wants your life to be a part of the service of God. And he wants you to reach beyond your front door. He wants you to reach beyond your children into the homes of others that, that aren't as blessed as we are. And he wants you to do this. You know, you may, the enemy always points, well, that would cost too much. Can I say this? Love will only cost you effort. Right. Kind words only cost us effort. You know, the, one of the first things I remember learning as a child, but even before school age, was this. Be ye kind one to another. It didn't say those that were just good to me. It, be ye kind one to another. And you know, even as Christians, isn't it awesome sometimes that it's hard to do? Has anybody ever just felt a spirit of slap come across you? Turning in the Bible to... It's fun to be a part of a full service. We have a young boy I shared with our leadership this morning. He's in the Tuloga Jail. Four weeks ago, one of his friends put his arm around my neck after rock, and he said, would you pray for a friend of mine? He's in jail. He's been framed by his sister and her friend. And he's not guilty. I know him. I know he wouldn't do this. But would you just pray for him? And I said, I need your help. Would you pray with me? Listen to me. It's important we lead by example. And I said, would you pray with me? And he said, yes, I will. And we prayed for this gentleman. And, and I went down to visit him this week. And, and they brought him out so I could visit with him. And I asked him, I said, is it true about this, your situation? And he said, there's half truth and there's half that's not true. I am not guilty. However, they, they have told the, the sheriff their story and the story that they're telling is what they're believing. And so he said, I was on my way to, to a, a place out in the panhandle to apply for a job with the sheriff's department. When they came and picked me up, he said, I had no earthly idea that they were going to put me in jail when they picked me up. They said they just wanted to talk to me. So here I am, Pastor and I'm waiting till they bring me to court. We buried his mother about three years ago. His dad is a cross-country truck driver. And a boy is just, just floating on the sea, stormy seas of life with really nobody to tell him how important it is, how much he's loved. And, and there is a place in life for him. And, and the Bible says in Isaiah 54, 17, No weapon formed against him will prosper, and every tongue that rises against him in judgment, it will be condemned. There's nobody there to tell him. He's just locked in a jail cell thinking, I got here because somebody lied. Can I say this? Your prayer changes things. Your faithfulness to the house of God changes things. I walked into a lady's hospital room in, in Oklahoma City, OU Medical and was visiting with her uh, a few moments before I had prayer. Craig and I had been to uh, Wanoka uh, several years ago. She had called, and uh, a gentleman that knew me well had asked me to come and pray. And we went up and met this lady for the first time, and we prayed for her. And since then, my phone has rang consistently. I need you to pray for me one more time. We got a call. She's in, in, 
in uh, OU Medical today. I, I was standing by her bedside this week when the team of doctors came in, and, they, and so I always step back, and out of courtesy, I, I can wait till they leave to, to finish what I need to say and pray. And I backed up, and I heard the doctors say this la- to this lady, Mana, you're facing two major surgeries, and we're not sure you're strong enough to make it. Do you have a, an immediate family member that we could call and share this with? And there was quietness. And the doctor looked at me and I said, uh, there's a gentleman, uh, and, uh, and I looked on the board and there, there was his name. The doctor saw it first. And, and I said, you call him because he's a caregiver and, and, and let him know what's going on. And as I prayed, I thought, Lord, what a lonesome world it would be if you didn't even have a, a close family member that you could share your needs with and you were in a hospital room with nowhere to go and nobody really to care. And then I thought, I'm so glad that I have a church family. It's a full-service church who allows me to go no matter where, in the pits and the slimes of, the, of America, and you allow my fuel tank to be full and an automobile to drive so that our church can be recognized as a full-service church. And friend, we're not representing Elm Grove. We're representing the kingdom of God. He just allowed us this place to, to, to join each Sunday morning so we could be encouraged, so we could be a blessing, so we could tell you God is good. He's a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows those that will trust in him. As we look at the Bible this morning, there are other things the past two weeks that, that I, I have asked myself, and, uh, and this, these are things that cross in my spirit, and they were so strong that I wanted to pass them on to you this morning. <clears throat> as, we, as we look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse, uh, chapter 13 and verse 5, Paul writes these words to the church, examine yourself, examine yourself as to whether you are in the faith, and then he says, test yourself. You know, when, when a customer would drive in and he would say, would you check my oil, please? The oil was invisible, but there was a dipstick that you could pull and touch down into a place that was invisible called the oil pan. And you could pull that dipstick out and you could examine to see whether that motor had enough oil to keep it in a healthy condition. It, and also, and, and Paul says, let a man examine. Examine yourself as to whether you're in the faith. And then he says, test yourself. Did you know that you couldn't take the dipstick out of the motor and test the tires at the filling station? There was a tire tester. It was made for the job. And you tested the air in the tires with a tire tester. Can I tell you, God has equipped you and I with all the equipment we need. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. He's given you the power to examine the oil which represents the Holy Spirit in your life. He's given you the right to check and examine yourself. I'm not an examiner. I'm just here to, as a shepherd and I want to lead you into the fullness where the pastures are green and the waters are still and the honey still flows from the rock. I want, as a shepherd, I 
want you to enjoy the blessings of the Lord that make rich and add no sorrow. I want you to know this morning that God is not going to get you for that. If you've strayed or got off the pathway, God in His mercy wants to help you get back on the right path. If there's somebody in your life that is hard to love this morning, as a shepherd, I want to tell you, just, just put your feelings where they belong. Our feelings are fickle. You can, your feelings will make you feel like you've been ran over by an 18-wheeler if you allow them to. Listen, you can't allow your feelings to guide your life. The Bible says the, Jesus spoke these words to his followers. He said, it's expedient for you that I go. If I go not away, the comforter will not come. But when I, he does come, talking about the Holy Spirit, he will guide you into all truth. Listen, how many times have you ever heard this? If I could just know the truth. I'm here to tell you as your shepherd, you can know the truth. You can know the truth about your life. You can know whether you're on the right road or the left road. You can know, you can know whether the things that you're doing are pleasing our Father or whether they're displeasing the Father. And can I say this? God is so merciful. He's always ready to forgive us. He's always ready to help us get back on the right track. He's always there to guide us into all truth. And here's what he says, and you can know the truth, and the truth it is that will set you free. Boy, I'm getting energy this morning that I didn't know I had. Thank you, Holy Spirit. As Paul, Paul spells this out to the church, test yourself. Do you not know yourself that Jesus Christ is in you? Christ lives in you. You're the, you're the habitation of the Holy Spirit. You're the vessel. You're the house that carries the Holy Spirit everywhere you go. And things don't just happen coincidentally or accidentally. If Jesus Christ lives in you, he guides you. He directs you. He helps you with the timing. He shows you things to do. He shows you, you things not to do. And here's what he says. When I'm for you, don't worry about who's against you. How's that? We get, so, we get so uptight sometimes about, well, I wonder if this is going to please Josephine. Listen, don't forget Joseph. I hope Josephine's not here this morning. You forget Josephine. And, and, and things go through my life as a shepherd. And I think about the things that I encounter. And I've really thought about it the past few days. And, and these are things, when I, when I looked at the Scripture and, and the Holy Spirit began to let it bubble up inside of me and begin to give me some thoughts, Paul says to the church, let a man examine himself as to whether we're in the faith or we're not in the faith. Test yourself. Don't you, you know yourself better than anybody else knows you except the Lord. I was going to be real brave to one of my friends one day, and, and he, was, he was being a little bit of a challenge, and he wasn't really receiving what I, was, I told him. And I looked him square in the eye, Floyd, and I said, have I ever lied to you? And here's what he said, only you know. <laughs> Not the answer I was looking for. Not the answer I was looking for. But let me say this. I, I have walked up to many bedside not too many days ago, I walked up beside a gentleman I love. He's graced this place several times. And, and his time of going was quite close. And, and the most important thing that I do when I go to a hospital, I want to walk out of there with the knowledge of the truth. They're on the right road. They've got the faith. They, 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 they've confessed Jesus Christ as their Lord. And a lot of people say, Pastor, I just don't believe in that bedtime experience with Jesus Christ. And I think about the cross, and I think about the thief that died, two thieves that died on the cross. And one said, if you really be who you say you are, save ourselves, Save yourself and us. But the other one 
submissive to, to what had happened, willing to take the blame for what he had done. He said, Lord, when you get there, he wasn't justifying what he had done. He knew he had failed miserably. He knew he was a thief. Nobody had to get in his face and tell him he was a thief. But he looked toward Jesus with this spirit of humility, and he said, Lord, when you get to paradise, would you remember me? Oh, Jesus says, I've got a better deal than that. How about me just taking you with me? Listen to me. I don't care where that person is. And we, and we, so many times we try to analyze, well, if a person gave their life to the Lord, you know, I don't know whether that's going to work or not. Romans 10, 9 says it works. Romans 10, 9 and 11 says it works. And here's what I want to tell you. There are, things, there, there are responses that I hear that you don't hear. Uh, but I ask this question nearly every time that I enter uh, a hospital room and I get ready to pray, and I ask this question, have you made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? Or have you settled the account with Jesus Christ? And I hear this so often, well, I hope so. And I hope, through the power of the Holy Spirit, I always say, look, I love you too much to walk out of this room on a hope. I have to know so. Would you allow me to lead you in a sinner's prayer so when I walk out of this hospital room and get in my pickup to head on down the highway, I can know that you prayed the sinner's prayer. And if you'll pray this from your heart and you'll believe what you said, God will forgive you. I also hear this. When I ask you, are you a follower of Jesus Christ or have you made peace with God? And I, and I said, I don't know. And I want to say, are you married? Listen, you won't say I don't know but once if you're married. The next wedding anniversary you'll remember. The reason is I forgot one year. And I, from that time on, I can, I can get into that worship song, Hey, I'm a believer now. Hey, I'm a believer now since Jesus came into my life. And he allowed my wife to forgive me. Nowhere in the Bible does it say uh, you'll go to heaven if you go to church. Nowhere in the Bible does it say you'll go to heaven if you give to the church. You only go to heaven if you truly accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life. And let's look at what the Bible has to say today. And let it explain to us what it means to accept Jesus Christ. In the book of John Chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. Would you allow me the privilege of reading this to you this morning? There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And this man came to see Jesus by night, and he said to him, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher that's come from God. Listen to me. Number one, who is he? He's a Pharisee. Number two, he's a ruler of the Jews. He's not, he's not the one that sits on the pew. He's a ruler. He, he teaches. He teaches the law. And here's what he says. I know. He had the knowledge. He said, you are a teacher came, coming from God. He recognized who Jesus was, did he not? For no one can do these signs unless God is with him. He recognized Jesus as Lord, and he re recognized that we, he had a powerful God that answered prayer. And Jesus said, answered and said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he can't see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? 
And Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. I want everybody to say this with me. You must be born again. I want you to turn up the volume again, and I want you to say it with me again. You must be born again. Who was Jesus saying this to? He was, think, he was talking to a Pharisee, a ruler of the Jews. And let me say a little more about, about this man. Uh, he, he was, in order to become who he was as a Pharisee, he had to memorize the first five books in the Old Testament. He was not ignorant of what the Bible had to say. He was a Pharisee, but he knew he was talking to Jesus. And, and as we look at this scripture, a Pharisee believed the Bible. Let's, let's, let's look at this. Uh, number one, a Pharisee believed the Bible. A Pharisee went to church. A Pharisee even tied 10% of his wages to the church. A Pharisee even tw- fasted twice a week, which is twice more than I fast. And a Pharisee even required to memorize the first five books of the Bible. Listen to this. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. He had to memorize every verse, every book of these first five books in the Bible. He had to believe in God. Which God? He believed in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Even Nicodemus believed in Jesus. And he said, I believe God is with you. And Jesus said to a man that did all of this, you got to be born again. you got to be born again. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. It says, Enter into the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. There are many that go in by it. Because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few that find it. And verse 21 says, Not everybody who says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of the Father in heaven. And many will say unto him that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name? And he will declare unto them in verse 23, I don't know you. Depart from me. You practice lawlessness. You know what this tells me? And, I, and the Apostle Paul, who's, who's responsible for over half of the New Testament, here's what he says one day as he's examining himself. My greatest concern is, lest I have ministered to others, I myself could be found a castaway. What Paul is telling us is, no matter what the title may be, it's not the title that gets you there, and it's not the title that defeats you. It's what's in your heart. And listen, Nicodemus was hiding behind the fact, the Pharisees was able to hide behind what they knew. They, they, were, they were taught the law. They were taught the Word of God. But can I say this? You can be taught the whole Word of God and know exactly what to do and what not to do, and that's called religion. Listen, but he that knows to do good and doesn't do it, to him it is sin. Aren't you, aren't you glad that I don't get attacked physically very often because I've had a lot of time to think? 
And, and notice this. This is talking about religious people. It's not talking about somebody that's not a follower of Jesus. He says, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter in. And many will say, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not cast out demons in your name? Have we not done many things in your name? And then he will say, I don't know you. You can be righteous. You can be religious, I mean, but you can be lost. It's not how much that I know that makes me in right relationship with Jesus. It's what I apply that I know that makes me free. And I, this is what I know today. I know, I'm confident, and this is the confidence that I have. I've, the place of the Bible that is, is not uh, clear to me this morning, but Paul writes, this is the confidence that we have, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, we have the petitions we desire. I know I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, not because I'm perfect, but I ask him every day, Lord, I want you to examine my heart. Would you show me my dirty linen so that I can allow the blood of Jesus to wash away the stains out of my life but I want to, because I want to stand before you with clean hands and a pure heart? Does that, make me, does that make me perfect? No, but it keeps me in right relationship with Jesus. I grew up and, and, and I developed, and not because of probably the way I was taught, but I, 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 I developed a, a horrible a philosophy of Christianity. And I became very religious. And I was willing to justify my means by just pointing my finger at other people and saying, I'm just as good as they are. Listen, listen to me. One day in a, an encounter with the Holy Spirit in my quiet time, I sensed the Holy Spirit speaking to me and he said this, would you do me a favor and yourself a favor? Don't ever compare yourself with anybody but me. And I'll be just and faithful to you. And I'll love you no matter what it looks like. And little by little, the Lord tore up the religion in my heart. I, I grew up with this. I thought, I thought God was sitting in the back of the building. And he had this real long rod iron uh, that he could extend down to where I sat on the pew by, by my mother. And it had a round steel ball on it, and he could whack me on the head. And every time I squirmed a little, I could sense God's going to get me for this. I didn't know the law of liberty in Christ had made me free from the law of sin and death. I didn't know that he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. I didn't know a follower of Jesus Christ could come to church and have fun. I didn't know we could have fun. I thought we had to lay aside all the fun. I thought it was like when you went to the doctor and he's examining you. And he said, well, I want you to lay aside all the cherry pie. Don't eat, eat any more angel food cake. And I want you to eat, uh, cook turnips and cook greens and spinach and, and leave, leave off the taters, but you can eat all that gravy you want. And I'll leave her saying, God, what is there to live for? <laughs> Listen, I, I had, I had, I had a Christianity in that kind of, uh, of a picture. I thought, you just can't be happy and follow Jesus. They're just a rule book that says everything you want to do is bad. I was graced in the early days of, the, of, of my pastor, of Sherry and I served service here at the church. I was sitting in the basement of the, of the parsonage, and that place gave me a vision that I've never turned loose of because there were snakes 
in the basement of the men's Bible class. And the kitchen was also down there. And it was a great habitat for mice and rats. It was just the most awesome. And, and, the, and it, to come out of, the, out of the basement, the septic tank was right where you stepped, took the last step before you stepped out on the sidewalk. And the rain would pour down off of the two-story uh, parsonage, and it would run the septic tank over every time we got a rain. My vision began to grow right there. Thank God for that old septic tank you had to step on to get out of the basement. And the snakes and all the mice. I was seated in a Bible morning Sunday school class one morning when I heard a Sunday school teacher says, I want to ask a question to this class today. What is sin? One of the old timers who came to our full service filling station who bought gasoline where I worked, I heard him chuckle, and I knew he had something to say. I always listened when he said something. He said, I'll tell you my interpretation of sin. It's something you always wanted to do, but you didn't because you knew it was wrong. (laughs) Well, there's 14 of us that have interpreted the sin the same way. And the rest of you may have. I'm not real sure about it. I want to leave something with you this morning. I want you to leave this church knowing that you're born again. When you leave this church, I want you to know beyond a shadow of a doubt, your name is written in the book of life. You're such awesome people, and Jesus proved how awesome you were when he died on the cross for our sins. And the Bible says without him paying the price with his own blood, there was nothing that could wash away the filthy sin stain in my life. But his precious blood that he shed that day that spilled from Calvary's hill down to the foot of the cross is what redeems us. And we're bought not with corruptible things such as silver and gold, but the Bible says it's by the precious blood of Jesus. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises as some count slackness, but he's long-suffered to us, not willing that any should perish, but that all. How many is all? Is there anybody left out of all? But that all should come to repentance. But that all. When Jesus died on the cross, he made provision for everyone. Everyone. He doesn't want anybody to die and go to hell. He doesn't want anybody to, to leave this world and not be right with Jesus. This is the reason. The love that he had for you and me is what held him to the cross. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. Now, this is the confidence that we have. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. I just say that before I found out where it was. I had it in my notes. And verse 15 says, and if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know we have the petition that we've asked for him. So here's the petition. Even as a preacher's son growing up in the parsonage did not make me a Christian. I, I was a drug baby, I'll just tell you. I haven't confessed this to many people, but I was a real drug addict. I was drugged to church Sunday morning. I was drugged to church Sunday night. And Monday night, Tuesday night, and Wednesday night, and Thursday night, and Friday night. And we had a real good evangelist. We, was, we, we didn't let sin creep out. We came to church on Saturday night. And then it was Sunday morning, Sunday night. And back for two, three, and sometimes four weeks. Baby, I'm a drug baby this morning. <laughs> I'll tell you what. And yet, 
it didn't make me a Christian. And here was my testimony. Boy, I can't hardly wait to get out of this drug world. <laughs> you wouldn't think that anybody would formulate that. But I wasn't acquainted with the Word. I'd been to church. I had been taught to go to church. I'd been taught to pay my tithe. My dad taught us how to pay 10% when our, our allowance began with 25 cents. When it became 50 cents, I realized that a nickel out of that went to the tithe. When I, our allowance went to a dollar, I realized that God got ten, a, a, the first dime of it. And I was taught, if, if you honor God with your first fruits, He'll take that 90% places where 100% won't go. I had all of that down. Now, I had all the facts down that hell was hot, and God was going to get you for that. And you better walk the straight and narrow, or you wasn't going to make it. In the past few days, I've been processing what the Word has to say. And there was factual truth. To what I, I'm not putting down what I was taught. I'm glad for the teaching that I had. I'm glad that the Holy Spirit convicted me one day. I'm glad that God still answers prayer in a, in a miserable, wretched condition. I came to Jesus, and here's what I did. I did what James 4, 6 says. I submitted myself to the Lord Jesus Christ, and he came into my life. I submitted myself. Submission sometimes is the hardest thing. And can I say this? Religious people will never submit themselves. Bless God, I'm right. I don't care what I say. I'm right no matter what I say. Bless God, I'm right no matter what I say. Bless God, did you get this? I'm right no matter what I say. You know what? I can be right about what I say and be 100% wrong with my spirit. Don't shout me down now. I'm preaching to myself. You should be jumping the pews this morning. Boy, he's doing himself a lot of good. Notice what the Word says. This is a confidence. Lord, when I made a mistake, this is a confidence. You need to have confidence because I know you, you deal with the same filthy, dirty spirit of the enemy that I deal with. And every day he taps me on the shoulder and says, Some preacher you are. Nobody cares where you go there or not. You went there because you felt like it. And you weren't even received. For years, I pulled out of this parking lot, and he'd say, the Spirit would say, well, that was the most horrible message you ever brought. And before I'd get to the house, many Sundays, I've had this call, Pastor, how did you know where I've been living this week? Little did the devil know, but I knew how much I needed that confirmation. And I've got a confirmation for you this morning. This is the confidence that you have. If you ask anything according to his will, did I tell you, did I read the scripture? He's willing that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Listen, don't let the enemy choke you with religion. Let him free you by the power of the Holy Spirit, because he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Give him praise in the house today. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Hallelujah. Romans 10, 9, my favorite scripture. Did you know that the Romans Road will give you the opportunity? If you'll take time to listen to it, you'll take time to, to study it. Do you know the, you never have to get out of the book of Romans to lead somebody to Jesus? Romans 3, 23 says, For all have sinned, come short of the glory of God. 
Romans 6, 3, 20 says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal. Romans 5, 8, but in it, while we were yet sinners, God committed his son to die on the cross. Romans 10, 9 says, if you'll confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus rose from the dead, for, for with your heart uh, man believeth unto salvation, with your mouth confession is made. With the heart. Man believes. You gotta believe. You gotta believe the Bible. You gotta believe. Jesus says, He that comes to me must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder. Listen, He wants to reward you. There's great rewards in doing business God's way. I, as you well know, I haven't been a good doer of God, some of God's plans. And the house that my spirit lives in has been abused radically. You know, I just thought burning the candle on both ends was the only way to do it. I was telling my brother-in-law who, who believed the same uh, message that I acted on, and he did too. Boy, just, just burning the candle on both ends. This is the only way to get ahead. And I reminded him this week, you know, have you ever thought about how far we've gone by burning the candle on both ends of the stick? And then he started laughing. He said it didn't get us far, did it? I've abused this house. I, I, used, to, I used to go to the field on Monday. We'd haul hay all, all day Monday. I'd go to Southern work all night Monday night. I'd come home and work Tuesday most of the day, maybe about sundown. I'd catch me in that before I went to work at 11 o'clock. Wednesday morning, I could, I'd come home from work, and I'd work till noon before I'd finally crater and go to bed. And I did this for years, helping my father-in-law on the farm. I just thought that was the only way to do it. And, and one day my body began to tell me, I'm about through of you abusing me. There was nothing that I wouldn't tr at least try to pick up. And the reason that I had to go get help is because I had oversimplified something that was too big for me to pick up. And it left a place here that I'd ever want to have to deal with again. And the doctor was so smooth with selling his product. He said, there's nothing to this. Two little, two little ice pick holes here. We're not going to have to even cut you open. And after we get that, that hole on each side, we're going to stick a little mesh in you about the size of a, of a pencil. We're going to unroll that. And we're going to glue that to the, your, your chest cavity. You're going to be good as new. Liar, liar, fell in the fire. About an hour, and I'll be through with you. You can go home. They're helping me up. An hour and a half later, they said, here, you need to take this. I, God has so blessed me. Today, I'm not on any medication. And they started poking stuff down in the, into my mouth to try to get it here to ease the pain. And my stomach would say, get that out of me. And when you do that, mercy would cry out, don't do me this way. Don't do me this way. All because I didn't follow rules. Nobody made me do that. Nobody's made us do anything. It's just so easy to violate the rules. And according to Romans 3.23, if, if all means everybody, then we've all sinned. 
Well, I'll tell you one thing, Pastor, I haven't committed adultery. You haven't? Well, have you ever looked on the, the, a lady and all at once your mind slipped and you thought something you shouldn't have? The Bible says if we failed in one, hang on your seat now. Make sure your seatbelt's latched because religious people don't like to hear this. Are you religious? You're not? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'll get a little closer to you then. The Bible says if we've broken one, we're guilty of breaking them all. Isn't that simple? Here's what I want to ask you to do. I want to ask you to bow your head this morning. Just between you and your best friend, I want you to examine yourself. I'm your shepherd. I love you. I want to, I want to lead you in the, in the right pasture. I want, I want you to... I want you to eat the good of the land. I want you, someday, should I be your shepherd and something happens and life comes and goes, I want to be able to say, I know they were born again. Not only did they say they were born again, their fruits, the fruit of the way they live, expressed it. Here's what I do know as a shepherd. You can't live wrong and die right. And nobody knows. I was in a funeral coach leaving with Ronnie Rediger one evening just a few years ago. And as we pulled out of the driveway, a, a phone call came to the hearse, and Ronnie answered it, and there'd been, a, there'd been a horrible wreck west on 270, and little did I know two members of this church had gone into eternity. And I cried, and I cried, and I cried. These people sit on a pew every Sunday. Their first grandbaby had came along, and they had been to Woodward shopping for baby clothes, and they never got the baby clothes home. And, I, and then I go to examine myself, Lord, did I ever, did, did I make sure that everybody knew that it, it took a born-again experience, and both of these people were Christians? But Lord, did I do everything that I could? And today when I leave this building, I'll ask myself this question, Lord, did I do everything that I could to make it plain enough to the congregation to know that they've got to be born again to make it to heaven because there's a place of destruction called hell. And the scripture I read to you said, broad is the gate. That leads to destruction, and narrow is the gate, and straight is the path that leads to eternal life. And I never want to be one that was latched in the scripture that I read to you, Lord, haven't I prophesied? Haven't I cast out devils? I, I must examine myself every day, Lord. I want to examine myself. I want my hands to be clean and my heart to be pure. And whatever you need to reach in and, and take out of my life, I fully submit to you because I want you to be Lord of, of all. Listen, if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. And in this quiet moment, we're asking ourselves, Lord, is there anything that you want to show me in my life? And if there is, would you show it to me? And I want to, I want to put it in your hand this morning. And I want to submit it to you today. And as we have some soft music to, and everybody's just in an attitude of prayer, we're going to pray to prayer together in just a few moments. But nobody's here by accident today. We're here because God has given us this opportunity. I am above all, above anybody in this building. I, I, I am so grateful God has 
renewed my strength. He's renewed courage. He's healing this body, and he's restoring everything the canker worms tried to destroy. And he's in the forgiving business of every time that I've broken his law and commandment. He's forgiven me. And the confidence that I have is because this is the confidence that he gives us. We ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if he knows he hears us, we have the petitions we desire. Would you stand? It's still about 10 minutes till 12. And I want to leave you, I want to let you go in a proper time. But I want to ask, would everybody that doesn't have to slip out early, would you just slip down to the front this morning and, and stand in this area just like we do on communion time? And we're going to have a prayer before we leave here this morning. Would you do that with me? Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. You're such an awesome God. You're such an awesome God. We thank you this morning. Thank you, Jesus. 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 I want your confidence to be built this morning with what the Word has to say. This is the confidence that we have. If we ask anything according to His will, He hears us, right? Everybody in agreement with that? If there's anything in your life that is standing between you and the Lord, I want you just to take a time in our prayer time this morning and, and release it to the Lord. You see, change comes from the inside out. And while man looks on the outward appearance, God's looking on our heart. There are some areas of, of my life that I, I know God is dealing with. I'm not the most patient person in the world. And, I, and God, is, God is using this to draw my attention. I, I, I need help just like anybody else. But I want, I want us to pray together, and I'm going to lead us in this prayer. And when you walk out of this building this morning as your shepherd, I want you to know that you've been born again. I want you to know if something happens, you're on, your, on the right road. If something would happen to you before you get home, and my phone would ring, I want to have the assurance, Lord, Lord, they left there knowing that they were walking with you and on the right road. So I want you to join me in this prayer this morning. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you because you applied yourself and you died on the cross in my place. I should have been crucified because I'm the sinner. And the word says you were perfect, yet you took my place that I could go free. Father God, in Jesus' name, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. From this day forward, with your help, Lord, I want to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus, for coming into my life, for being my best friend. And from this day forward, I want to acknowledge you in all of my ways. And you said you would direct my path. I thank you for this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Take a deep breath. Take another deep breath. Did you know that breath was borrowed from the Lord? It all belongs to him today. And he's allowed us 
to breathe in the breath of life. And he wants you to know when you leave here this morning, you can have all the fun. You can enjoy life. You can have peace. You can have joy. You can enjoy the road because the Lord is not my co-pilot. He's our pilot. And as you leave this morning, I want you to know this. Jared preached a message, and most of you have, have heard, remembered this message. And the title of it was what? Hang on to your fork. Hang on to your fork. There's better things coming. I love you. God bless you. Hug somebody's neck that's standing beside you and let them know you appreciate them. When you do that, and you're dismissed.